Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Uh, some news from across the NBA circles, by the way. Uh, it looks like the NBA has set August 25th for the lottery. October 15th will be the draft. That's a Thursday night. They'll be up against a Pat Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs Thursday night football game. The NBA informed the Board of Governors that training camp will be June 30th, July 7th, travel to Orlando. The season will begin July 31st. Free agency will begin on October the 18th, which is the day after the NBA, or the couple days after the NBA Finals. And then they will target a November 10th training camp. And December 1st would be opening night. That is a fluid date. So it looks like the NBA season for next year now has a date as well. Daryl Reynolds, The Process Podcast, former member of the Villanova Wildcats, won a national championship with the Cats in 2016. We're going to be talking hoops with him as it looks like the NBA is back. And uh, 22 teams will be a part of the party in Orlando. Daryl, welcome back, man. What's happening? What's going on, man? How's it going? It all feels like uh, the basketball season coming back finally gives us something to kind of look forward to here. Do you approve of uh, the way they kind of did this? The 22 teams, they're going to play eight games. Uh, they're going to keep the two conferences. Do you like what the NBA decided on? Yeah, I like it. Me and, me and Hunter have talked about this uh, a lot of times. They came back and they changed up a few things. Not saying like everything they changed, or they changed up a few things like Know how the playoffs will play out and the series uh, numbers and stuff like that. It'll be interesting. Things are <laughs> things are kind of upside down uh, right now, and I think it's for the better. So I'm kind of with them just switching up a bit. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, you know we're going to get a traditional best of seven series, and we kind of touched on it a little bit last week. You know, you're playing uh, these neutral site games, but what about the idea that some people have suggested, Daryl, that they might try to work in some home court advantage things like an extra foul or an extra challenge or things like that. Is that something that you think that they should do for the higher seeds or is that too gimmicky? Yeah, that's a little too gimmicky. That's what I was alluding to. And I said certain things I'm not for them switching up. Um, but like I said, it, it's time for a change. And I got a feeling those rules didn't just come out of nowhere. They were probably something that they were looking to experiment with for a while now. And then when this happened, it's just like, all right, it's perfect. You know what I mean? If you're going to do it, do it now. All right, Daryl, when you look at uh, the possibilities here, I want to ask you this. The Sixers are the sixth seed currently. Do you see any gain by moving up or uh, – I wouldn't say down. I don't think they can maybe make it down to the seventh seed. But if you're the Sixers, is a Sixers-Boston 6-3 six, or – now knowing that you can't get home court advantage, meaning to move up to the four spot, who's the best matchup? Sixers, Celtics, Sixers, Heat, or Sixers, Pacers? I like that Sixers Heat uh, matchup. Wow. I don't know what it is about that. When I understand it's Jimmy Butler, they have a team, but I feel like the matchup serves us better. Uh, the Pacers have some size, they have some athleticism. They I'm not going to say they play an up-and-down game, but their pace is a little bit different. I feel like Miami can't keep up with us in transition. They obviously got the shooters, but it's just something about Miami just feels like a, a more secure. And don't get me wrong. At this point, like I've said before, 
I would like to see the Celtics to see them get over that hump just for what morale would do around the entire organization, like knowing you can get through them Celtics. But at the same time, that first matchup, I feel like Miami would be a shorter series. So you don't mind the possibility of Jimmy Butler getting into the heads of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? No, not at all. Because like I said, at some point, you can't run from it. And I think as much as we love Jimmy Butler, I think we've all publicly said at this point, we just appreciate if he was still in the Sixers jersey. It's certain people, it's certain teams, it's certain things that you have to go through to just kind of arrive. Like, I hate purposes, I know it's over, but when we watch The Last Dance and you hear him talk about those years where they kept coming up against those bad boys, there's something about getting that off your back. You know, Kevin Garnett, when he's shouting – you know, about the NBA champion, it's like having a bully on your back and then you finally beat him up. Like, it's something about overcoming certain things that just, it, it, you take another step as a player. And for this team, rather it be shutting up Jimmy Butler or getting over the Celtics, I feel like those will mean more than, you know, the Pacers. Brett coaches the team past Miami and Milwaukee, but then loses to Toronto. I mean, if they beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round, but lose to the Eastern Conference in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Raptors, do you think that that's a, looked at as a bad loss? Not necessarily, but I don't think that should be a loss. I got to be honest. Good as the Toronto Raptors are, like we said it before, they had that they had Kawhi on that team last year, and with that inexperience, obviously we had Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick. But they had Kawhi on the team, and that, that came down to a, a, a triple dunk. You know what I mean? So it's like, what does that tell you? That that team without Kawhi is not that team. Like I said, we had Jimmy Butler, but I feel like that shouldn't be a loss. But if it is, to make it through the team they have to make it through, including the Bucks, to get to that point, like, I'm not saying there's something to hang your hat on. There is nothing, you know, glorious about getting silver. But for them to make it that far, that brings momentum in the next season. Daryl Reynolds, uh, he's one of the hosts of the Process Podcast, uh, talking some NBA and Sixers with us, uh, a uh, member of the Villanova Wildcats National Championship team. We're talking hoops uh, throughout the basketball uh, relaunch of the season. But, okay, so last year, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it from this point. They go to that seventh game against Toronto. It's a quadruple doink, and maybe they win that game, maybe they don't. But is this team, this Sixers team, better than the one that walked off the court last year? We're about to see. We're about to see. Obviously, it's been up and down. I think the beauty of them having such a good home record is like, well, there is some hope because it didn't. It wasn't that last year. But obviously, we can't ignore the way they perform poorly on the road. But we're about to see if they're a better team. Hopefully, this time off, let everybody, you know, take a step back, kind of reassess what they got to do, let the team kind of reassess what their scheme is going to be moving forward. But like I said, at this point, I don't see them win the championship this year. That would be great. That would probably top off how strange this year has been, quite honestly. But if they do make it to that point, like, you carry that in the next season. I think at this point, the Sixers should be way more concerned about salvaging and making this season as good as it can and then really going out and making a push next season than, you know, just getting this over with. Is it fair to expect Shake Milton to be good enough to start in the lineup, in the rotation? I mean, we don't really know what he is yet, and we hear Sixers conversation saying, well, maybe Shake Milton can start. Is it fair to assume that he could just be a guy that gets thrown into the lineup and dominate when it comes to playoff basketball? I don't think it's necessarily fair, but LeBron's in Los Angeles with AD, so you know it's past fair at this point. Like We got to call it what it is. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it in a lot of ways because it's kind of like 
extra credit for Shane Newton. If he didn't do it, then it's just like, uh, you know, we, we didn't really expect him to be able to handle that just yet. And some people would say that's not the case, but come on. There's a lot of people really out there expecting Shane Milton to just go out and quite frankly do what he did a lot of this time this season. But if he does do it, then it's like, oh, yeah, we have another level. You know what I mean? We have another guy that, that maybe turns into what they wanted Markel to be. How do you, though – you have a team that had a lot of expectations. How do you go and put a guy out there who you only have about a five-game sample size on and say, hey, we're depending on this guy to be a major part of our, you know, like when do you, how, how do you kind of quantify when to pull the plug on him? Uh, I mean, I think with the Sixers at this point, it's, I'm not saying they can't get any worse than that obviously can, but with everything that's going on with the shaky up-down year that we just had, it's like, what do you really have to lose? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're going to – obviously, you're starting him. You don't have anybody who's going to be that much better than him. It's not anything that you can change up at this point that would really change it with pass free agency. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a whole lot they have to lose. It's pretty much the playoffs and it's time to go. But this could be the thing that makes Shigna. You know what I mean? Like, he could go out and perform good enough, and this is the thing that, like I said, it takes him and the team to another level. And I'm I'm rooting for that. I'm – more excited to see what happens. He goes out there and exceeds expectations because now it's like I said, what we were missing in Markel, maybe we get it from Shea Milton. Do you think when they return, Al Horford comes off the bench right from the jump? I hope so. I hope so. And it's nothing against Al Horford. It's just for the sake of the pace. You know what I mean? Like a Shea Milton, Ben Simmons, Joel and B. Uh, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris. That, I, I like how that pace is. And no offense to Al Horford, but He's a bit of more. He's a, a half core player at this point in his career, which is it's nothing wrong with that. But I would like it if he came and played in portions of the game where he kind of stretches the floor. And now you got to deal with a five out situation or Ben Simmons going right to the to the rim and then playing four around one. Yeah, and I think that that's a better. There's so much uh, intriguing. Now that we know that they're going to be back and there's going to be you know matchups, I think the next step is that you look at the Sixers with Ben Simmons coming back. You know, do they start Shake Milton and take Horford out of the lineup? What happens to guys like Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson the third, Matisse Steibel? You have like, is there enough minutes for all these guys, or is Brett Brown back at another spot where he's like, how am I going to figure out how to work this rotation? And he only has eight regular season games to try to figure it out. Hey man, that's, that's why they get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I say, don't get me wrong. I'd be the first one to step in front of Brett Brown when he catching slack. I love him. I love what he's doing. Um, you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not on that whole fire Brett Brown train. But at the same time, it's like, all right, it's crunch time. You know what I mean? You got to show the people something. And I have faith that he will. You know what I mean? I have faith that he will. I think we can all imagine if anybody minutes are going to take a cut, it's probably going to be. Uh, you know, a Burke or a Robinson or somebody like that because of what they have invested in Matisse Thibault and quite frankly what he's shown. But this isn't the time for experiment. This isn't the time for pleasing people. You know, we are trying to win. So yeah. I hope that he makes a decision and sticks with it. Now that's interesting, Daryl, because you know the Brett Brown, uh, you know, fire is out there. You're a guy, you played for Jay Wright. And a lot of people think, hey, the Sixers should fire Brett Brown and hire Jay Wright. So you've played for one of the best coaches in the country. But what is it about Brett Brown that you see that you like, you know, as a guy who played for Jay Wright? I mean, I've liked Brett Brown for some number one. He's just, he seems to understand the game at a different level. Um, he seems to, like, you look at the way he coaches this team, he seems fluid enough to let these guys grow and kind of make mistakes. I think it's something to be said about 
a coach kind of being like a father figure in the sense of, I'm going to let you make a mistake. I'm going to love you up and, and, and try to help you fix it after the fact. But sometimes people just got to take their bumps and bruises. And believe me, that's something I remember from Coach right? You know what I mean? It was sometimes it, it was tacked a little. I told you so after you made the mistake, but he allows them to grow. And I feel like a coach like that can grow with his team. He's already done it throughout the process and continuing to just get them where they have to go. And obviously he's on a hot seat, so I'm hoping just like, uh, shape pulls through in this and takes it to another level, this could be the thing that either buys Brett Brown more time or solidifies him as he's the coach that's going to get us there. All right. We will be uh, previewing the NBA playoffs of the regular season the next couple of weeks here. Daryl Reynolds uh, from the Process Podcast. So you can check that out with Hunter Brody and uh, also a member of the 2016 Villanova Wildcats. Yes, he did play for Jay Wright there. And, yes, all the Brett Brown haters. He does like Brett Brown. That's unbelievable. Uh, you might not have. You might just. You, you might just lost a lot of uh, fans out there if they were like, "Hey, I like this guy." Uh, but uh, yeah. we will. <laughs> I'm not one of them, by the way. I'm not one of them. Uh, but we will catch up. We'll we'll catch up with Daryl again next week, man. Take care. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. Yep, Daryl Reynolds, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline, and you know one of the things that. Uh, he talked about is wanting to play the Miami Heat in the first round. He likes that matchup the best. Would you agree or disagree with that matchup? I think both options are solid. I mean, if I had to choose, there's something inside of me that says, I want to see the Celtics first round because I would love to take them down. Like I mentioned this before, when you look at their last two playoff series wins, one was against the Brooklyn Nets and one was against the Miami Heat. Neither of those teams were really that special. They were more of those teams that just made the playoffs. This Celtics team, not that the Heat wouldn't be a good win. It would be because it's a different Heat team than a couple years ago, but the Celtics would feel different. It would be such a big win that they have not had yet in the postseason. Yeah, I don't know if I want to see Jimmy Butler in round one. Although, playing the game at a neutral court, I don't know. I think that actually leans more towards Butler. There's nobody in the crowd. Was he talking trash and everybody can hear him getting in your head? That would be crazy. <laughs> uh, a couple texts coming in. Carolina Rangers or Twins Indians. I'll finish binge-watching Ozark or Bosch. That's from uh, Todd and Brigantine. I'm with Gil. I'm out on the Rangers Canes. Flyers out. I'm out. At least until the conference finals. MLB or NBA playoffs over a random game. I'm a hockey guy, too. That's from Joey D in VC. Broads, we're Flyers fans. We hate the Rangers. Not watching them. Poor matchup selection for the NHL. That's an interesting point. See, that that goes to my point that I said with Emmett Smith yesterday. I, I love just the beauty of sports. It's playoff hockey. And hockey's weird for me, though, because I'm so, like, one of my really good friends is on the Rangers. Well, I want him to win. I mean, I root for him to succeed. So, it, hockey's weird for me when it comes to fandom because I just have a lot of friends in the league and I want them all to succeed. I uh, call Jenkins for heating and air conditioning, installation service and maintenance, plumbing or drain cleaning service 609-641-6440 or JenkinsPlumbingHeating.com. When we come back, uh, the annual Billy Shoppy Awards, we will announce the participants. These are the top senior athletes in our area. Number one sports radio talk show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Adam Kaplan is today's football at 4, coming up in about 40 minutes from now. we got a lot of interesting things uh, to get into, including uh, an update on mini camps, training camps, possibility. At Geico, you have a choice of ways you can save on car insurance, 800-947-AUTO, online at geico.com, or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Vote on our 
poll question, which is getting a lot of reaction at 973 ESPN at Broads 81. You can hit us up over there at Mike Gill's show and uh, vote hockey or baseball. Essentially, we got the matchup for you. We tried to put teams in it to make it a little bit more. Uh, so you're not just picking one sport over the other. But uh, what's the update on that right now, Broads? Okay, 62% of people will watch the hockey game, Hurricanes versus Rangers, while 38% Twins versus Indians. You got a lot of hockey followers. I do, though, I, I and I do, so I understand that that is in the mix. But I, I still think that Twins-Indians does not move the needle for a lot of people. All right, we'll see how that goes the rest of the show. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. All right, uh, we annually are a part of the Billy Shoppy Awards. Uh, which honors the area's top senior high school athletes. And uh, obviously, with everything that's gone on with the uh, COVID-19, the spring season was shut down. But Tom Williams from Prime Events and the Billy Shoppy Awards will go on. We are going to introduce you to this year's field uh, of the top senior athletes. And then on Monday, uh, we will announce the winner. Tom, what's going on, pal? Just uh, hanging in there like you and everybody else. Yep, it's uh, been a very intriguing year. And, of course, uh, we do have some news in the high school sports world today, in the high school schools world today. It was announced that Wildwood Catholic will be reopening its doors. It was announced back in April that they, along with St. Joe's, among other schools, would be closing. Uh, But I guess we just got news that Wildwood Catholic will reopen, and we do not have an update on St. Joe's. Is that where we stand as of right now? That's right. Wildwood Catholic will be reopened under the – Diocese and uh, St. Joe is still in negotiations uh, to try to arrange either a diocesan uh, uh, sponsorship or possibly an independent uh, private school. So, you know, hopefully they'll both be open next year because, uh, you know, from a sports point of view, uh, they're going to be uh, real good basketball teams again. And, of course, St. Joe football is legendary. Yes, uh, and a lot of their uh, athletes have made some of these lists here. Uh, the boys and girls, uh, top athletes of the years for the Billy Shoppy Awards, the ballots, uh, and the participants. And then on Monday, we will talk to the winners. So uh, give us the list of uh, the top senior athletes uh, in the area for the 2019-2019. 20, I guess, uh, uh, with an asterisk next to its season, unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I also wanted to mention uh, the Boo Bergman Award winners were Almarco Jackson of St. Augustine Prep, who went from a freshman that played a little bit uh, last year to an all-conference player on the South Jersey Championship team at St. Augustine, and Nene Clark of Oakcrest, who went from about 10 points a game last year to lead South Jersey in scoring this year. The Boo Bergman Awards go to the most improved players in the Cape Atlantic League in basketball. The Tony Serace Award goes to St. Augustine Prep, the highest-ranked Cape Atlantic football team. The Ken Leary Award to Wildwood Catholic for boys' basketball. The Joe Fustner Award to Ocean City for girls' basketball. Uh, The Frank Campo Humanitarian Award to Josh Barnes of Ocean City who started a charity that collected more than 8,000 new and used shoes to be donated to those in need. He's a teacher uh, in the summer programs and, and has a grade point average of 4.69. And the Ed Burns All Sports Award to Ocean City for uh, the, the All Sports Champion Award for for the school that had the most championships in the Cape Atlantic League and the NJSIA. They would all be part of that program that you're part of up on the music pier. Probably would be next Monday but, of course, it's been canceled this year. Here are the girls that are the finalists for the Billy Shoppy Award. Uh, 
Matty Barber of Middle Township, a key starter in basketball, an all-star in lacrosse who led New Jersey in assists last spring. She's going to Temple. Matty Bressel of Atlantic City, an all-star in soccer, uh, an all-defensive player in basketball, and a starter in softball who's going to South Carolina. Ava Casal of Our Lady of Mercy, a starter in soccer, an all-star in basketball, and a starter in softball. She's going to Immaculata. Abby Fenton of Ocean City, she was an all-star in soccer, basketball, and lacrosse, and played in eight South Jersey championship games in her career. She's going to Cabrini. Uh, also, Bridget Giliano of Buna, she was a goalie in soccer, scored over 1,000 points in basketball, and had, has 151 hits in softball. She's three away from the school record, but unfortunately, no softball this season. She's going to Mount St. Mary's. Aubrey Hunter of Middle Township, key starter on their successful basketball team, and all-star lacrosse going to Fairleigh Dickinson. Delaney Lappin of Ocean City, all-star for the uh, soccer team that won the state championship and a key player on the basketball team that won the South Jersey championship. She's going to Drexel. Casey McLeese of Ocean City, a county Cape Atlantic League and South Jersey championship runner in soccer and cross-country. She's going to LaSalle. Nicole Ortega of Vineland, a dominant pitcher and multiple all-star in softball who also played soccer, going to Salisbury. Kira Sides of Middle Township, an all-star in soccer. She holds the Middle Township record 1,600-plus points in basketball, and she's number two all-time in lacrosse goals among Cape Atlantic League players and would probably only need four or five games this spring to set the all-time Cape Atlantic record, but again, no spring sports. She's going to LaSalle. Kylie Watson, Cape Atlantic League's first McDonald's All-American Player of the Year in basketball, girls basketball in New Jersey, 2,000-plus points, 1,000-plus rebounds. She's going to Oregon. And Mahogany Wheeler of Millville, pitcher who uh, hit almost 600 and led the Cape Atlantic League in triples and home runs uh, over a highly successful career. She's going to Ramapo. All right, that's pretty impressive girls. Yeah, that's the list of uh, the uh, girl side. Now, if you could, uh, Tom, tell us some past winners on the girl side because that's an impressive list as well. Yeah, there, there are some uh, impressive uh, winners on on the uh, girls and boys side. Of course, the, when you're talking about the uh, the impressive winners, you're talking. You start with Mike Trout. Uh, he, he's going on to uh, great success and and is going to continue if he ever gets back on the field again. But uh, Mike Trout uh, was the winner uh, back in uh, 2009. But uh, also uh, Austin Johnson of St. Augustine Prep, who's playing in the uh, in the NFL, is is an impressive uh, winner of the past. Renee Tomlin is one of the top uh, uh, athletes in the in the world, as a matter of fact, in triathlon triathlons. Uh, she was the winner back in 2006 at Ocean City. Jack Corcoran, that same year, who went on to play football at Rutgers. Matt Caesar of Lower Cape May, who's a Major League Baseball player, was uh, the following year in, in 2007. Uh, Miles Schoedler uh, of Ocean City had a great career as a, uh, as a runner. Colleen Callahan, who's had a great career, Atlantic City swimmer at, uh, at Tennessee. Just a, a great list of, of, of terrific athletes who have gone on to uh, to great success. Most recently, Brielle Smith 
of Oakcrest and Samir Jones of Pleasantville last year. The year before that, Alyssa Aldridge of Mainland and Flash Morgan of Atlantic City. It, uh, some of them uh, are single-sport stars, uh, and some of them are multi-sport stars. And uh, it, it's just an interesting, uh, interesting combination of athletes uh, that we've had over the over the thirty or the twenty years. All right, let's take a look at the boys' side too. A lot of uh, guys uh, here who had tremendous. Uh, careers, and also some guys who did not get to finish uh, their spring seasons as well. Correct. Uh, we start with Kevin Ansack of Mainland, who was a dominant cross-country and track distance runner. He was eighth in the National Cross-Country Championship race. Of course, he didn't have a spring season. He's going to North Carolina State. Ahmad Brown of Holy Spirit, two-way uh, star in football, and a South Jersey champion in track. He's going to St. Anselm. Jada Byers of St. Joe, record setting, one of the greatest football careers in history. Keep part of the rotation on that good basketball team. He's the Sacred Heart. Jake Cook of Mainland, second best Cape Atlantic receiver in yards and touchdowns, star in basketball. They be quite a combination up there. Kevin Foreman of St. Augustine Prep, a key guard on the football uh uh, basketball team, excuse me, and uh, an all-star in baseball who missed out on his senior year uh, this spring and consequently is considering, has made a commitment yet, I don't think, going to that post-graduate uh, program that's going to be run by Milt Thompson for uh, senior baseball players who missed out on their uh, their final year. Carl Julian of Middle Township, a two-way uh, star in football, a two-time district runner-up in wrestling, and a jumper and thrower in track. He's going to Elijah Gray of Holy Spirit scored 53 touchdowns and ran for more than 4,000 yards in football. He's going to Merrimack. Destin Lasco of Mainland, he dominated New Jersey swimming for three years and then qualified for Olympic trials in six events, so he passed up his senior year at Mainland this past winter. Uh, but, of course, the Olympics have been postponed for a year, so he'll continue that preparation in 2021. He's going to uh, Cal Berkeley. Uh, Max Melton of Cedar Creek, an all-star in football and a multi-event champion in track, who's headed to Rutgers. Gabriel Maranta of Pleasantville, a state champion in the 800 meters, indoor and outdoor, finished first at the New Balance Games. He's headed to the SEC, to Mississippi State. Alejandro Rosado of Pleasantville, a starter in basketball and an all-star, multi-all-star in baseball, and missed out on his senior year, headed to Howard College in Texas, and Taj Thweet of Wildwood Catholic, the dominant inside player for the three-time Cape Atlantic League champions in basketball, who is celebrating today because his alma mater, about to be alma mater, is going to be back, and of course Mike Gill celebrates the fact that he's a future mountaineer at West Virginia. Looking forward to there that. They are. There they go. Uh, we'll tell you the winners on Monday. We'll have more uh, information for you. That's the uh, participants for this year's Billy Shoppy Awards, the top senior athletes in uh, the area. And uh, for more, you can go to primeevents.net. Tom, we appreciate that, and uh, we're looking forward to see who ends up winning. Uh, as am I. Thanks a lot, Mike. Okay, Tom, and appreciate that. As always, we're always happy to be a part of that each and every year. Now, let me ask you, though, Broach, did you have you uh, did you play high school? Did they have high school hockey, or did you have to go like outside of the bubble to do that? 
Oh, I went to Gloucester Catholic to play for their program. Who they have was, a, uh, they have a, father ran it, so he was like a big, you know, he's big around here in the hockey world. Yeah, because I think only St. Augustine around here actually has a hockey team. I don't know that any other high school in the area has one in, in the southern part of the state. Yeah, it's a big rival of ours. But um, in, in this area with, um, like, Cherokee and, and, like, all the programs around here in this part of South Jersey, they all have hockey at their public schools, Washington Township and, and teams like that. Uh, my roommate in college played high school hockey, and I was like bewildered. Like, what? what? You want to you hear this? In Minnesota, the biggest tournament ever is high school Minnesota hockey. Yeah. And, and they fill out the Excel Energy Arena, 20,000 people for a high school hockey game. Isn't that the uh, tournament where they have, like, the crazy hairdos? All team hockey hair, baby. That's a big thing. It's huge. All right, when we come back, uh, we got the broad lines. Uh, we got news from the NHL. The NHL has an update on their playoff format. Additional details for the playoff format. We'll get to those in a second. It's time for the headlines. Hunter Brody, what do we got? Well, this headlines is sponsored by DraftKings. UFC 250 is starting off June with the bang. And DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action. You can pick one fighter per matchup, parlay fights within the card, and even bet on which round the fight will end or how it will end. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino app now and use code 973. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's kick it off here. How about this? With the Hawks not making this 22-team format, it looks like Vince Carter's career is officially over. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. It is. But, I, I mean, yeah, he got cut the last couple games or whatever, but, um, you know, he knew it was coming to the end this year anyway, and, you know, it I, wasn't like they were in this fight for I it. saw a uh, like a spoof thing that said, like, 2020 – Carter can sign with any team that's still left in the playoffs. Just him? Just him, yeah. <laughs> that would be insane. But look, I mean, his first year was 98-99, and it is now 2020. So, I mean, the guy had one hell of a career. He played for a bunch of different teams. Obviously, I think Toronto is the one that stands out for most people. The first seven seasons of his career. The, uh, the epic purple jersey, which you are not a fan of, is the one that I think of when I think of Vince Carter. But... You know, it's just a remarkable career. And then to see him turn into the player that Trey Young looks up to and, and the vocal, just good veteran NBA player that you can lean on, it's cool to see that side of him as he's at age 43. Yeah, I mean, I heck, when Vince Carter was in his prime prime with the Raptors, I mean, that's that series against the Sixers, man. I mean, I vividly remember that whole thing going down. I mean, he was criticized for leaving uh, in that series to go back to finish up his graduation. Uh, and then he came back to play that game against the Sixers. And if you remember, um, you know, he missed the, you remember the quadruple doing, he had a similar type of shot against the Sixers in that series that didn't go in. And yes. Yeah. Remember it, it, it was like a baseline fadeaway and he missed it. Otherwise the, the Raptors would have gone on in the Sixers. You know, they had, that was an epic series. The Sixers played that summer. You know, they had the, the Raptors and the Bucks. They had just unbelievable matchups. 
uh, that summer. So, but I always think Vince Carter in college, he was, I don't want to say like a LeBron or a Jordan, but he had this hype around him because of his dunks. He just had this athletic dunking ability, but he was nowhere near the players that those guys were. But look how he has persevered in terms of re-kind of configuring his career to keep him around. That's unbelievable. The fact that Vince Carter is still playing. He was playing in the 2000 NBA playoffs against Allen Iverson. Well, what I was going to say is you are playing some pickup ball in this league with some of these young cats, and you're struggling to stand in the corner and stroke threes, which is not a knock on you. That's how most people would feel. But you have now a guy who's 43 running with the young cats of the NBA, and he can still make it happen. He can still dunk. He can still do all this stuff. I mean, the fact that he's running up and down the floor in this era of hoops where it's just nonstop running back and forth, that is incredible. Now, Insane. obviously, his minutes have taken a hit. I think it looks like here he averaged 14 and a half minutes per game this year. But, I mean, what what do we expect? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, you think about it. You know, like I said, the guy who asked me to play on the team, at one point he's like, hey, man, we need you to play more minutes. Like, you're pretty good. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I acknowledge. Like, I'm probably skill-wise, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but as good as some of these guys – but I'm also 20 years older than many of these guys. Like, I just can't physically keep up with them. Right. The, the, you're probably playing so well because your minutes are less. If you were to add minutes, your your play might go down. Unbelievable. I mean, Now, un- you mentioned the dunking of Vince Carter coming out of college. And how would you compare that to what Zion put on display at Duke? Uh, I would say, like, Zion seemed to be more impressive, but the competition he played against, like, he had you defending him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, college You've bas- never seen me defend, Gil. I mean, that's my pride and joy, baby. I know, but college basketball back then was so much better than what Zion was up against. Like, he had just zero competition as opposed to what Vince Carter was going through. So Carter... You know, even like Jerry Stackhouse. I remember Stackhouse and then Carter. It just seemed like North Carolina, like, you're not old enough to kind of, I hate to be that guy, but you're not old enough to, like, North Carolina was like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was Duke in North Carolina. Well, North Carolina is just, eh, whatever. They're North Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, back this then. This year. Yeah, I mean, this year specifically, too, it was one of their worst Yeah, ever. but even when they were good a couple of years ago against Villanova in the finals, they don't. They were not North Carolina like when we look back at North Carolina. They were just... I think the reason why that is is because I, there's, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's not the same now. And I think one of the reasons is because there's so many other teams that get these stars and get these other... Like, there's so much more parity, I guess you'd say. Yeah in college basketball now than maybe there was back then. Yeah, but back then, like, if you were the best, you would go to North Carolina. Like, you wouldn't even consider going to, you know, I don't know who else is even in the the conversation in terms of... um, Well, like, you got Kansas, Michigan State. Yeah, but Kansas back then was really good, Michigan State. I mean, but they weren't on this level of North Carolina. North Carolina was, like, on its own level above everybody else. Duke, North Carolina, and then there was a demarcation of the next. Right. No, no, no. That's very true. Um, but, yeah, no, I just thought that that was interesting. Like, here's Vince Carter. I mean, it's the end of an era for him, and it was one hell of a career, and it was fun to watch. But, um, sadly, it ended like this. So, we'll keep it in the NBA. How about this? Is it possible that Kevin Durant returns 
due to how much time was off. Now, I remember about maybe a month or two ago, I saw a report where the Nets pretty much said this is not going to happen. But with with these sports books, you're starting to see the Nets creep up a bit and people are putting money on it because there's some speculation around the league that it is possible he might have enough time of recovery to bounce back and play. I mean, if you're the Nets, are you going to put Durant out there? I wouldn't, with the information that they know, I would have to ask a bunch of questions. Like, what? how long has it been since the injury? What's the percentage? You well, know, we know that answer. Year, but. He got hurt last year in the NBA Finals, which would have been about a couple of weeks from now. Right, so it would be about a year. I would need to know the statistics of, you know, what... How long gives you what percent of coming back kind of stuff? I mean, I, I'm not writing it off over a year for an Achilles injury. I mean, isn't that pretty much what it is supposed to be? Like, that's kind of what we expected. Yeah, you would think that he could be ready to come back right about now or so. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he's ready to play and they just feel like, eh, you know what, let's just wait this season. Like, if you win the NBA title, it's going to be kind of a wonky one anyway. So do you want to risk Durant or does it not do you not care how you get that title? Why? I don't think you care if you're the franchise, but that is an interesting way to look at it. Now, what if you use this as because let's be real, if he didn't play at all this year, he would get thrown into it next year and the headlines, the noise, it would all be about how will Kevin Durant come back? What will it be like? And if he ends up coming back in these 8 games playing 15 minutes just to get out there, run up and down, use it as almost not, hey, let's go make a title run, but hey, KD, why don't you just go run up and down the court for 15 minutes in these games that don't matter as much as they would another time? Put it this way. If it were, if it were, if I was the, the head of the Nets and they told me he was cleared to play, why wouldn't I play him? What do I have? You know, what's the difference of holding him out the rest of this, you know, a couple of months and then bringing him back next year? Like you paid for this guy to be a part of your organization. And now you've paid him all year not to play. He's cleared to play. Why wouldn't you utilize him? It's almost like being afraid with Carson Wentz. At some point, <laughs> you got to have him out there and play, right? I mean, there were times where it's, oh, I don't know if it's time yet. Is it too? He's got to play. He's got to play. So right, with you KD, can only, you can only be so overly protective before you're basically saying, do I do I play the guy or not? Right, 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 right. No, I agree. If he's medically cleared to play. I think it would be a great opportunity. And even if their mindset is, like I said, I don't think their mindset needs to be, all right, KD's back. This is his first time playing since the injury. We have to go out there and win an NBA title. But even if you use it just to have him go out there and build some confidence so when the next season comes back, maybe he's not thinking about that injury as much because he got to play 8, 9, 10, 11 games this playoff run and, and this rest of the regular season just to mentally kind of clear that hurdle. Absolutely. Like, I don't know. I think, like, even the eight games, like, hey, you want to try these eight games, see how you feel? That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Use it as almost somewhat of almost a preseason, if you will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, we talked yesterday about, is it possible the Portland Trailblazers sneak in and then maybe make some noise against the Lakers? Could you imagine what this does for the Nets, though? I mean, you're, you're seriously talking about a big-time shift in the Eastern Conference. Think about what it does, right? Think about it does what it does to the entire NBA playoffs. If you're the two-seed Toronto, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. We <laughs> left We left as the two-seed feeling great. 
we didn't change, and now we feel like crap. Yeah, it's like, oh, my, I want to be in the third seat. I'd rather be in the fourth seat. <laughs> There's six, and you don't get the home court advantage. Right, There's six and a half games behind the box. You have eight games left. You're not catching them. You're three games up on Boston. You just tank away and try to get out of that two spot? I mean, of course not. You're going to be the two seed. You're stuck there. Yeah, of course. And you probably don't know, you know what what's going to actually happen for all that. What if they tried to play it sly and say, all right, look, Kevin Durant's not coming back, and then they play the eight regular season games, and then, boom, they throw him in there for the first game of the playoffs. Yeah. Of course, that would be ridiculous, but, hey, you never know. I agree. Now, what about this story about the whole lottery thing and the rules and the Sixers? The Sixers could lose the Oklahoma City pick, which is a pro-rated number one through uh, one through 20. You know, there's some talking about the Sixers. You know, they don't... Um, they can't really do much in terms of moving back, but if they lose games, they could get that pick from Oklahoma City. If not, they're not going to have a first-round pick. I don't think that that's something that you can kind of plan for. I feel that's as if, listen, where it falls, it falls kind of thing, no? Yeah, I don't think you can use these eight games to try to strategically find your way because the, the first off, this draft is not very good. Yeah, there's no one that stands out to me where, well, look, I mean, let's be real. With where the Sixers picked last year, getting someone like Matisse Thibel is unbelievable, well, right? Last and, year's draft was supposed to be a very deep draft. Right. There was, and, and Landry Shamit, though, too. I just, I think Elton Brand does a really great job at finding pieces that can help with those 20-ish round picks. Yeah, no? it helps when those pieces are there, though. Like, in other words, this draft, might not have guys of that caliber to be there when your turn comes up. Well, there's always someone, though. There's always someone you never really think's going to do anything, or you know of them in college, but it's not as if they're the top five type of people. You're like, all right, they're a late first-rounder, but they bloom into something special, even though you know their college career. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, there's always someone late. Yeah, sure. To I what mean, extent, it, it doesn't we don't mean know. that all 60 players drafted just can't play, but they're fewer and far between to try to find those guys. It, I right, like even... imagine saying out of Wichita State that year with Landry Shaman. Oh, that kid's going to be something special. I don't think anyone really said that, right? And you got it. Same with Matisse. A lot of people didn't even know who the hell Matisse Thibel was because, let's be real, how many people are watching Pac-12 Washington College basketball at 10 o'clock at night on Fox Sports or the Pac-12 Network? Yeah, there's a lot of guys who are in the draft class and a lot of people don't know much about them, but this draft is not supposed to be very deep. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So we'll see where that goes. But I want to tie this Chris Archer news into the injury thing with with um, Kevin Durant because he's going to get surgery, which will knock him out for the rest of this season. And with the unhappiness of players, like, do you think you might see some sort of – now, he needed surgery, but do you think there might be some people going, oh, uh, my elbow, oh, my hamstring, oh, my foot? And they're not really in that much of a dilemma, but they're unhappy with the owners. Eh, not really. You don't think so? No, no, I don't think so. I think most of these guys want to play in some capacity, whether it's for more money, less money, some money. Once they get back, I think they want to play. I don't think no, they're going to be I'm, faking I hope, injuries. I hope that's the way they do it. But in terms of people who really need the surgery, someone like Sir Anthony Dominguez, why beat around the bush? This year is, a, is almost a wash anyway. Get your stuff done now, which can set you up better for the future, right? I mean, what's the point if you're Sir Anthony Dominguez? Maybe I should get it. Maybe I shouldn't get it. Just go get it. Well, I don't even know what's going on with Sir Anthony Dominguez at this point. There hasn't been there has been no update on him. 
Well, it was original two or last year when he got hurt. He won't need Tommy John. Then he might need Tommy John. Then he pitched this spring training. He got hurt. Now it looks like he needs Tommy John again. Uh, right. I'm saying I, I, all that. I um, but no one's really said what his injury is, what needs to be done to fix it, where what where he's left it from when he was at spring training this year to where he is now. I haven't heard anything about him. There's been yeah. no update on what his injury status is. Yeah, I, I know. It's it's kind of wild, but I think looking at this, if you got to do it, just do it. Because it could have been done how how long ago, and this wouldn't even be a conversation anymore. But with a season like this, if you have something lingering, I think it's time to attack it. Now, let's stay with baseball real quick, because on ESPN, they put up an article, the guy with the most to prove in 2020 for all 30 MLB teams. So each team... They said, this person needs to prove themselves the most. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, would you like to take a guess on who they wrote about? Or would you want me to just tell you? So what is the question again? The guy with the most to prove on each team. So for the Phillies, who has to prove themselves the most? Reese Hoskins. That's a good one, but they went with Didi Gregorius. And I think that's more because of the contract side of things, right? He's on a one-year deal. What's the market going to be like? Reese is a good answer, though, because we don't know what he is at this point. But with Didi, they went with the Didi Gregorius approach. Free agent. What are you going to get out of him? What can he provide? Eh, I would probably go with Reese. I think it's time for him to show what he is. I mean, you know, this is it for him. I think you're going to keep yeah. riding him out as, Hey, he's this guy that can be the, the guy, the, the middle of the order guy after three seasons. If he doesn't do it again. No, I, I think that that is a great way to look at it. I I'm just saying from, from their mindset, the way they were doing it is, I guess, look, DD's got to fight for a job next year. So will it be in Philadelphia? Will it be with another team? What's the market like going to be for him? So he's got to prove himself. All right. Coming up football at four, Adam Kaplan. 